Hey everybody, welcome to What Does the Bible Say About That? In this episode, Will and I are going to be hitting the topic of sanctification, a topic that I'm sure a lot of you have heard about, but maybe hasn't been super well defined. And it's actually a little bit confusing in the Bible because there's really three aspects of sanctification. So we're going to be all over the Bible, spending a a lot of time in the New Testament, seeing what Paul has to say about sanctification. So have your Bibles out and hope you all enjoy Hey, Will, uh, you know, I was thinking about this recently, and uh, you, have you ever seen a, a Spanish Bible? El, um, biblioteca. <laughs> what? Biblioteca? Oh, does that mean library? That's library, right? Sorry. Okay, no. I'm sorry. I, I, I saw a Spanish Bible recently, and it said Santa Biblia. And I realized that I had seen that before and when I was younger, and I thought it meant it was Santa's Bible. <laughs> Did you ever think that? Santa Biblia? I've never seen it. I've, I don't, I, I think I've only just seen a Spanish Bible with it saying Holy Bible. Is that what that means? Santa uh, Bible. That's okay. That's the thing. It's what it means. Santa oh. is like holy oh. in Spanish. Okay, there I go. Not man. I wonder if that's where Santa got his name from. Hey, can I, t- I while we're on the Spanish thing, can I tell you one, one story that recently happened to me? <laughs> sure. I, um, yeah. you know how people will say like, you know, like if you, if it's zero or nothing, or you got, if someone asked you like, how much did you get or I mean, whatever. And you just say like uh-huh. zero, nothing, nada. Uh-huh. Okay. I thought it was nada, just like a saying, like N-A-T-T-A, nata. Oh, oh, okay. And then I said, I yeah. said that to one of my friends who's Spanish, and he was like, "Actually, I didn't just say it; I spelled it out." And uh, like, N A T T A. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. It was N O T T A, like even worse. Oh, oh, Noda. <laughs> and he like, he corrects me pretty strongly, and I was like, "Okay, that's hilarious." Amazing. So, in case you didn't know, nada means nothing in Spanish. N A D A. Well, all right. Okay, but actually, this does relate to our topic. Yeah, it does. Because we're going to talk about um, sanctification Mm -hmm. today. And Santa, uh, or Santos, saints in Spanish, um, it actually comes from the same root. And so... There's there's my awkward transition. How'd no, that I, I that thought work? that was great, honestly. I mean, I I thought oh, I thought we were going to go there anyways. Santos. Oh, all right. Saints. <laughs> yeah. Should we talk about so, saints? I think we should. Well, I I, I guess I I would just ask you, Will, like what um, what's your what was what's been like your understanding of sanctification growing up in Christianity? Mm-hmm. Like what 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 kind of would come to mind when you hear it's sanctification? I think honestly, I didn't know. I didn't know what it meant for a long time. It was something we didn't mm-hmm. really address. Um, being Baptist, you know, it's it's mainly like you can't lose your salvation, and so mm-hmm. it's more so it's more so like gospel focused. And hey, you know, once once you've made that decision, you need to do your best to to love the Lord and go to church, be with believers. Uh-huh. But there never was this right. thought of like changing maybe other than other than some of paul's verses about your mind being transformed 
are are, okay. tr- are yeah. trying to stay pure, but it, but yeah, that I mean, that was kind of like the. I guess it wasn't really presented to me up until like, I don't know, probably my later on high school years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what kind of happened in high school? Was it like, uh, just you kind of started to, to study it more scientifically, I guess, to get a better, uh, yeah, well, understanding. Okay, honestly, what happened was I had I had some. I mean, I, I don't know why I said honestly. I don't think I was gonna lie, but <laughs> I had I had a group of friends, <laughs> and uh-huh. we started having a Bible study together. And we realized really quickly, because we were all going to different denominations, that we believed different things, and it was going to be hard to have fellowship with one another, mainly on the topic mm-hmm. of can you lose your salvation? Because uh, I had like three or four friends, and it's and they you know they think every time they they thought every time they sinned they were going to lose their salvation, and so it's like most of their church services and fellowships revolved around that. And I, I came, and you know, our other group of friends came from the side of like, well, no, once you, you know, once you accepted the Lord, you'll never lose it, and it's okay, you know, if you mess yeah. up, just try to be better. Uh-huh. Um, and so that caused a dilemma, and so we just started digging in, and we realized, hey, actually, once we get saved, that's not like, that's just kind of the the turning point, that you know, it's it's mm. like you've received the Lord. But there is actually something you do or something that we need to be striving for. And, that, and that's where we came across sanctification and just mm-hmm. kind of realized like, hey, this is a next step after justification. And if we're, yeah. if we're going to like, you know, if we're going to have a successful fellowship and Bible study, how about we forget? Let's just forget about if you can lose your salvation. Let's focus on wow. can we you know, how can we advance in our sanctification process or change or like, you know, let's just focus on that. And I think we'll be fine. Yeah. So that, yeah, that was kind of my experience with it. I see. Yeah. I think, I think it is a topic that a lot of people kind of just eventually get into, you Mm -hmm. know, as, as pursuing faithful believers, you start to see in the word, man, there's something else outside of just being justified. Yeah. And sanctification is the word for that, but it's usually, at least in the circles that I was around, it was, it was not well-defined. Got it. Yeah. It was just kind of, it was our notion of like, well, we should, we should try and not sin, be for God, you know? Um, and, you know, that was basically yeah. it. But then also I should probably be zealous and, and preach the gospel just to make sure that I'm saved or to prove <laughs> right. kind of, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It was like kind of my inward confirmation. Like if I do enough, mm-hmm. um, you know, it wasn't work salvation, but it might've been subconscious work salvation. Like, man, if I'm not working, am I really saved? Yeah, yeah. But, makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think, so I think that's why we want to do this topic because the Bible, it is, it does give us clear kind of instructions or clear definitions of what sanctification is. It's a little bit complex. It's kind of like a puzzle. Because there's there's different aspects of sanctification. Yeah. It's not all um, it's not all it's not easily defined with one verse. But once you can kind of see the whole and like where it's being mentioned in different places, you can kind of piece together what sanctification means and what are its different kind of facets or as, aspects. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think but, something too as along those same lines is I know we've talked a mm-hmm. lot before about the Old Testament being types and symbols and uh, what does Paul say in in First uh, Corinthians examples. So the uh-huh. things that have happened right. in the Old Testament, First Corinthians right, are examples for yeah. our learning and admonition. So to me, as we get into these different points of sanctification, it was it was really helpful for me to look at the children of Israel's process into the good land and mm-hmm. and the steps mm-hmm. they took. So I, I think if yeah. if our listeners know those stories in Exodus, just kind of keep that in mind and maybe try to connect some dots. That That was just helpful for me. Yeah. No, that's great. And actually sanctification is used in the Old Testament. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that and referring to one of the aspects because um, you get a really good picture mm-hmm. there, kind of what it means. Um, but I, I guess just to start, you know, sanctification, it is a term that's that like literally in the Greek, it means to be holy or to be made holy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like hagazio or uh, there's different variations in the Greek and like how it goes, but it's literally holiness and like to become or to be made yeah. holy. Um, and actually when you look at the words like saints, um, that some Bibles actually just translate saints as holy ones. It's, mm-hmm. it's just from the same root and that's describing a person that's sanctified. Um, and so I, I, I came across this verse that I found really helpful, um, just kind of in defining this. So first Corinthians one, two, second of all, uh, this is just the intro to the church of God, which is in Corinth to those who have been sanctified, have been sanctified in Christ, Jesus, the called saints. saints. Um, and so that, so they're the sanctified. The sanctified ones in Christ, the called mm-hmm. saints. Um, so, the, it, you know, in, in grammar usage, like these, are, these would be considered like terms in apposition. So, they're they are the sanctified ones, the called saints. Like those terms are synonymous; those are descriptors for them in, in a synonymous yeah. way. So, you're you're a called saint, you're sanctified. That's what called saint mm-hmm. means, really. Um, and so these people are sanctified already, which is, which is really interesting, yeah, right? It it's is. like, I thought that we're trying to be sanctified, right? Are we sanctified already? Are we trying to be sanctified? Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I think, so there's actually three aspects in the Bible, um, concerning sanctification. And that's why it's such a confusing topic. There's an aspect that happens before salvation even occurs or justification even occurs. Mm -hmm. And then there's an aspect that happens actually to every believer the moment they believe. Right. Where Paul can call the sinful, divisive, idolatrous Corinthian believers called saints and sanctified. Like that. This is not a holy church that he's talking to. I mean, it is holy in God's eyes. That's the point. But and from human standpoints, it's not. Yeah. But for some reason, they're already sanctified. Wow. Um, but then there's other aspects that we'll get into where it talks about being sanctified. Uh, and so I think that's why it's really confusing, but it's helpful to, to break down these three aspects and see what they all mean. What are the verses around them? And, you know, then what, what do I do? How do I participate in all three? I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
I guess, should we just start in order? Start with the pre, pre-salvation sanctification? Yes, we should. <laughs> Had you ever heard of some, such a thing, mm-hmm. like, like being sanctified before you're even, even saved? No, to me, that, that started touching on like predestination and mm. you know the for the being being chosen before the foundation of the earth and i just like i just didn't even touch that kind of stuff i didn't know what to do about it I didn't understand <laughs> it so it's like no no thank you <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it, it's it's definitely a controversial topic i guess in that sense but you know this is what does the bible say about that not what do you yeah. feel about that yeah. so uh we gotta talk yeah. about it um so I think keystone verse for this, uh, and if you guys are listening, uh, you have your Bibles out, pull out these verses because it'll be helpful to follow along and see it. Um, but in First Peter 1, 2, the, actually, he's talking about, Peter's talking about the choosing of mm-hmm. God. And he says that we've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit unto the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so he uses the word sanctification here, right? Yeah. And it says chosen according to foreknowledge of God, the father chosen in the sanctification, chosen in the sanctification of Mm -hmm. the spirit. And so actually God's choosing us in eternity past, right? He predestinated us for the times of the ages, right. right? In Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. So he chose us, but he chose us in the sanctification of the mm-hmm. spirit. And so actually that, ev- or that, you know, predestinating that choosing in eternity past entered into time in the sanctification of the spirit. It, it's like the act of choosing was brought into time through the spirit's sanctifying work to set us apart, to in a sense, prepare us to receive yeah, salvation, right? To receive, um, to re- actually, and the result is unto the obedience, the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. So it's really interesting here. It's, it's choosing and then spirit and then the blood of Jesus. So it's, it's a clear order there, right? It's usually the other way around, right? Father, son, yeah. spirit, but he's, he's making a point that the spirit operated sanctifying us in order to work out obedience to the blood Mm -hmm. to, to receiving the blood. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, this, I mean, this is kind of a mind boggling thing and I think it'll help. Um, cause you know, I, I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar with like certain schools of theology around regeneration. And, um, a lot of people think that you're regenerated basically before you believe. Yeah. Right. Um, so like, like that's kind of what the Calvinist view. Um, but what the Bible shows here is that it's not exactly regeneration that happens before you believe, but there is a sort of sanctifying and a, a prompting that the spirit does. He works something out that causes us to yeah. believe. But regeneration is always placed after belief in the scriptures. Like you can't find a verse that talks about being regenerated before they ever had faith. That's just a it's a part of a system of theology it has nothing to do with the right. bible um and i think i think from but yeah i yeah, think for ahead. me too like when i heard the gospel it it was like i he, hear about you know the work of jesus and then the spirit comes mm-hmm. into me not mm-hmm. i mean and not when you preach the gospel i don't know if you would say this but 
you know, like I, it, it was never, I think my experience matches this verse in Peter. Like, I think I could say mm. before I was saved, something was, the, the spirit was leading me to the Lord mm-hmm. just after through experiences and time and time and time, you know, different things. Um, yeah. But my, when I got saved and then my understanding of the gospel for a long time was, no, actually, I just heard about Jesus and then I was convicted and then I received the spirit. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, that's actually most exper- most people's mm-hmm. experience. Um, and so what, what we're not saying is that the spirit came in and joined himself to you before you were right. believing. But, but what we're saying, so actually there's another verse that, I mean, there's other verses. That's just kind of our keystone verse, first Peter mm-hmm. one, two, but uh, John 16, eight, it talks about how the spirit will come and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, concerning righteousness and concerning right. judgment. So the spirit was sent into the world to convict people of their sins. And I'm sure this would happen with you. It definitely happened with me when I was under the hearing of faith, uh, the preaching of the gospel, I began to be convicted of my yeah. sin. Like, and that is the spirit sanctifying. He's, he's operating upon my heart to work out repentance. And mm-hmm. he's, he's, um, there's a picture actually of this in the, um, in Genesis one, he's the spirits brooding over these death waters in order to bring forth light. Yeah. And, and Paul says that explicitly in second Corinthians four, six, it's like, he, he, the one who said out of darkness, light shall shine is the one who's shown in our hearts through the face of Jesus. So our hearts were dark and evil, but the spirit was sent forth through that speaking of the gospel and it sanctified us and it worked out repentance. It worked out God's choosing until eventually it worked out faith within right. us. And, and then it caused us to open up and to, to, Say, Lord, like Lord Jesus, I, I call upon his name and to believe that he rose from the dead. And then and then the spirit flooded in and joined himself yeah. to us, like to regenerate us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm really I, there's there's I was yeah, just say, I'm really glad you brought up the, the verses in Genesis, because I think it's it's a really mm-hmm. good it's mm-hmm. just a really good picture. If you get, I mean, just getting into the whatever typology, the symbolism, realize like realizing mm-hmm this verse in Peter, I think if, I think if really, if you consider this verse in Peter with Genesis, you can kind of start to see Mm -hmm. that this creation process is really a type of the gospel in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and yeah, if you get way more into Genesis, like the whole creation story is actually a picture of salvation, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I don't have to go there (laughs) right now. (laughs) Uh, so one more thing, I guess, before we go on, we should probably speed up. I guess we're really camping out on this one, but uh, yeah. I think it's really cool. It's like the most unique one. So um, it's worth taking the time. But in Luke 15, actually, you get another picture of this. Um, and in Luke 15, that's there's three parables in there. There's the parable of the good shepherd. There's the parable of the prodigal son returning to his father. And then there's this third one that less people know about, which is, it's only a couple verses. I think it's three verses. And that's the parable of the woman seeking the lost coin. Mm -hmm. And so, 
it's actually really cool when you look at Luke 15, because clearly these three parables represent the three of the divine Trinity. I mean, who do you think the good shepherd is? I mean, obviously it's Jesus and we can prove that with a thousand verses. Um, And then obviously the prodigal son, the key character there, uh, or the good guy who's like receiving him is the father, Mm -hmm. right? The father is taking him in. And so that means that the woman here would represent the spirit. Um, and that this is actually really clear when you, when you look at it, what, he, what she's doing is she is sweeping the room, sweeping to find this lost coin, yeah. to find the lost coin. And this is the same picture of the pre-Salvific sanctification where, you know, the Lord was sweeping in our hearts, removing the obstacles of belief. He was, you know, convicting us of sin, revealing what's there until eventually we were found. And the result is, I mean, it kind of stems in perfectly. It's like the Lord came to find the lost sheep. He sweep, swept in our hearts. And then we came to our senses and returned to our yeah. father. Right. Like that's the progression of salvation before we enter into the house, the church, yeah. right. And feast on Christ. I mean, it's an awesome picture, the whole chapter. Um, but yeah, that's just another aspect of it. Like he swept in our hearts or she right. swept in our hearts until we believed really. Mm-hmm. But um, I think maybe, maybe we should move on because that, you know, there's this other aspect of the fact that people are already sanctified when they're Christians. Right. And that might also be a, a brand new topic for some people. Yeah. Like, the, well, the fact that you're, you're already sanctified. Yeah. yeah. I had, I had one more thought on this and just wanted to reinforce the pre-salvific sanctification mm-hmm. and it's in Galatians and it's, it's Paul, like, you know, re-speaking his, his uh, testimony basically. And he mm-hmm. says, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to, well, okay. Galatians one fifteen. He says, but when it pleased God mm. who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to mm. reveal his son in me that I might announce him. Mm. And so mm-hmm. anyways, I was just, it, Paul seemed to be clear that like the spirit in a way was working in his whole life. He was set apart from his mother's yeah. womb, but the Lord wasn't actually revealed in him and wasn't like, you know, it wasn't in him yet until it pleased him. There was a certain point in time that the Lord had marked out to show Paul, you know, these things. Yeah. Yeah. And I I really do think like, I think if anybody looks back at their salvation experience, they can realize, wow, God really was arranging things Mm -hmm. in my life Mm -hmm. to work out faith in me. Right. He was actually sanctifying you from your mother's womb. He's setting us apart. That's kind of the thought. Um, and so once you do believe, though, and once you're saved, the spirit actually comes in, right? He joins himself to our spirit. We're born of the yeah. spirit. That's John 1, 12 through 13, John 3, 6. It's like a transaction occurs to where we're one spirit with yeah. the Lord. And at that point, every Christian, every person, I mean, you're a Christian at that point. You are sanctified. You're a saint, actually, mm-hmm. of God. Uh, sainthood or being a saint has nothing to do whatsoever with your conduct. 
it has everything to do with the fact that you've been anointed, that you have God's spirit yeah. in you. And so you look at the Old Testament when, you know, like inanimate objects were sanctified. Like the tabernacle was sanctified when the holy anointing oil was put upon it. Like that made the, I mean, these forks and knives in the tabernacle were sanctified. Yeah, right. Like how is a fork <laughs> sanctified? You know, I don't think it's a very saintly yeah. fork. You know, it's not, I don't, it's not committing many holy acts. I haven't seen it heal anyone. You know, it's not, hasn't died yet. Sorry, Catholics. Like that's just not mm-hmm. a thing, you know? Um, sanctification refers to having a holy anointing oil put upon you. And in the New Testament, it's the exact same thought. That's just a type, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so there's a verse here actually in uh, Matthew 23, 17, where the, um, the Lord's, you know, combating Pharisees as the Lord tends to do. Um, and he's asking, you know, uh, talking about the gold and gold being offered in the temple. And it's like, is the gold sanctified? Um, and he says in, in verse 17, fools and blind men, which is greater, the gold or the temple, which sanctifies the gold? And so gold in and of itself is not sanctified. Like just because you offer up gold to something doesn't mean that gold is holy, but it's once that gold got inside of the temple, the holy temple, once it was positionally placed inside of the temple, that gold became unto the Lord. Yeah. Really. Uh, That gold became sanctified and has nothing to do with conduct it has everything to do with its new kind of position. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I think it's a great point. And so, um, ha- have you ever heard of like sanctifying the food? Yeah. Yeah. I used to, we, we used to pray that. You used to pray sanctify yeah, over the food the, over Lord? the dinner table. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. That's great. So do you know, I mean, that's a verse, right? Where, where does that verse come from? I think it's First yeah, Timothy. To be honest, I don't know. If I'm not I mistaken. I didn't know this verse. It is? Yeah. I, I need to find this verse. Uh, oh, yeah. Here it is. Okay. So First Timothy 4, verse 4 through 5. Yeah. He's talking about partaking of food. But verse 5, it says, the food is sanctified through the word of God at intercession. Mm. And so your food can literally be sanctified. Wow. By your committing it to God, you're saying, Lord, this food is unto you. It's unto your purpose. Nourish my body that I may, you know, right. It's like, this is for the Lord's work. Like this is, this is nourishing the Lord's sense. And so anything that is committed to the Lord, that's put in the temple or that's set apart, really, that's what it is. It's being set apart unto God that thing is then a sanctified object. It's holy because it's yeah, God's yeah. now. Yeah. I think, I guess, you know, when I was talking about the types in Exodus, it, it doesn't specifically say sanctify, but with that in mind, the two examples mm. you just gave, um, you know, once the children of the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt, positionally, mm. they're no longer Egyptian. They've, they've become God's mm. people. I think even even he you That's know right. he says yeah. that when he when he wants when Moses speaks that to Pharaoh, let my people go. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. but they at the time they weren't God's people positionally they were Egyptian, 
and they belong to the Egyptians. Yeah. But once they cross the Red Sea, okay, they're, you know, positionally, they're, they're sanctified unto God, set apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, so, so there, once again, we're going to get into this other aspect mm-hmm. of, of being sanctified. Yeah. Cause I'm sure people are have some question marks there, but I just want to reiterate this point one more time with a couple of verses. So Hebrews 13, 12, it says, therefore also Jesus, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood suffered outside the gate. So he sanctified the people through his own blood. It's through the blood that we're sanctified. It's by the blood coming upon us that then we are bought and we are gods and we are a holy people because we're yeah. God's people. It, this does not say sanctify them by their growth in the Holy Spirit or by their becoming sinless eventually. Right. It's through the blood, they become mm-hmm. sanctified and they are sanctified. They're not becoming sanctified. And then one more uh, in First Corinthians 6, verse 11, it talks about just before that, you know, there's all these fornicators and idolaters and thieves and all these people who won't inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, and these things were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. And so they were washed, they were sanctified, they were justified in the name of Christ. Like done deal, you're a sanctified person. And so honestly, I mean, I, you know, we should call each other saints. Like you should feel comfortable. Like, Will, Mm -hmm. you're a saint. And when I'm with God's people, it's like, I'm with the saints, you know, I think a lot of churches or places of worship, they, maybe they're a little less confident to say that because the lives don't seem to match. But as long as they're believers, which, you know, that might actually be a question for some, but it's like. If you're a believer, you're a saint of yeah. God. Like, case, like, done deal. Yeah, and I think you know? the best point is just to read 1 Corinthians. Because that, that was the first verse you brought up when you were talking about sanctification. Mm-hmm. And then you read through, like, you get to chapter 4, and you're like, how is he calling these people saints? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, Paul's view. Yeah, some sleeping with their mother and doing all yeah, sorts exactly. of Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, obviously, I think we would, I think everyone that remotely knows the Bible would agree that those actions are not actions a saint should be doing or expressing. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, in this aspect of sanctification of being positionally sanctified, they're saints. Yeah. Right. That's right. And so then we move on to this third aspect, which um, we can really call. So, so there's pre-salvific sanctification. That's kind of the sweeping, the brooding, the setting apart, yeah. the choosing. Then there's positional sanctification, which has everything to do with being bought and being set apart unto God, being anointed. Um, it has nothing to do with conduct. Both of these things require zero cooperation. It's just by believing. Oh, yeah. Right. It's by opening yeah. to the Lord. But then there's these other aspects, and we've got a lot of verses for this that have to do with kind of your more dispositional sanctification. Mm-hmm. The um, the living saintly, you could say, right. I guess, um, ha- you know, like the becoming holy a- in your, in your actions and in your right. life. And so 
there's a verse that I'd like to start with, and that's Hebrews 2.11, which says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which cause he's not ashamed to call them mm-hmm. brothers. And so that verse, it talks about the Lord who sanctifies and then those who are being, like actively being sanctified. Yeah. They're all of one. And so Christians are being sanctified. It's also a continual process. And this is why it's so confusing, because are we sanctified or are we being sanctified? <laughs> or, or were we sanctified yeah, before? Right, I mean, right. You know, it's like you can't, you know, systematize the Bible. It just won't yeah. let you do it too well. Um, but, yeah, there is this aspect of being sanctified. And I, I think maybe this would be a good one to, like, really break down, like, what does that mean? Like, does that mean doing good works or does that mean being holy? Like, what does it mean to be sanctified in your, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is, what, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I'm going to be honest with you in the middle of you asking me that question, Mm -hmm. my wife walked through the door and I, and I, (laughs) and I, and I lost, I lost the second half. Can you ask me that question again? (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just like, what does it mean to be sanctified in mm-hmm. this aspect? Does it mean like just doing good things or um, like, what does that look like? Is it what WWJD <laughs> kind of like, let's, you yeah, know. no, I think yeah. if it's okay, if, if I skip ahead to a verse here, there's, there's a verse in sure. Romans six twenty two. And it says, now having been mm-hmm. freed from sin and enslaved to God, you have your fruit unto sanctification in the end, eternal life. And to me, this mm-hmm. aspect mm-hmm. of fruit, like, you know, Galatians also talks about the fruit of the spirit. That mm-hmm. indicates that it's something organic and it's something of life and metabolic. And mm. going back to the children of Israel, you know, positionally, sure, they're out of Egypt but you read their dialogue and their complaints to God and, you know, their actions. Egypt was not out of them. They, they, their culture, their, the depth mm-hmm. of their, who they were as people were drawn to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. so this, this aspect is, it's not just actions, but it's like something has to change in us. There's got to be a transformation. Um, and right. so, it's, yeah, right. so if there's going to be fruit there, uh, that, that is something that, that just need, it needs to be expressed. Sanctification is a, is the process of, well, now, now I'm like trying to put it in a sentence. Um, yeah, I mean, sanctification is just a, this organic process of God's life spreading in our being to transform and change us that ultimately will, well, yeah. you know, um, result in expressing God and having these, these fruits. And so it will like come out in actions, mm. but sanctification, yeah. it's, sanctification is what results. I mean, it's what causes these actions. It's not the other way around. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I like that you put like, it's the spreading of the, the mm-hmm. divine life to that will eventually result right. in fruit. Like the, the whole like seed fruit analogy is used all the time. So it's not our imitating Christ. It's so 
I like the verse you brought up in Romans. And then there's another one in verse 19 talks about, we need to present our members as slaves to righteousness unto sanctification, denoting like it's a process. It's something Mm -hmm. that's going to happen. And um, like just a brief, like look at this. So, you know, in Ephesians five, we're told to be filled in spirit. Like we should, we should, we were filled with the spirit when we first believed, but that should not be the only time we're filled right. with spirit. Actually, we should continually be filled and continually be drinking from that fountain that was put into our being, according to John four and seven. And as we do that, uh, like we, we're going to be being sanctified, dispositionally yeah, yeah. speaking, like our mind will change our emotions, our will. Um, and so I, so there's a verse actually in Hebrews 12 that says, uh, it's Hebrews 12, 10, talks about how the Lord disciplines us that we might become partakers of his holiness. Mm-hmm. Like you partake of God's holiness, like in a, in a way of like, I'm enjoying your holiness. Like I'm, I am participating in it, enjoying it in fellowship, taking you in. Actually, Peter talks about um, being partakers of the very divine right. nature itself. And so, um, so that's second Peter one, four, for those who might be thrown off by that. Like we partake of God's yeah. own nature, his very element. Um, and then what's the result? Like, and if you, if you start filling something up with a, a new nature, a new element, like that thing is going to begin to resemble what yeah. it's partaking mm-hmm. of. Right. Like you are what you eat, you are what you partake of. Uh, and so, the Lord came into our spirit when we first believed, uh, but that's not, he doesn't want to stop there. Like the keystone verse that we talked about for the parts of man was first Thessalonians five twenty three, like right, we're body, soul, and right. spirit. And that verse actually says, um, may the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly. And that's W H O L L Y. Like your yeah. whole being, may he sanctify you wholly. May your spirit, and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus. And so the sanctifying has to do with the spreading of God's holy nature, his holy Mm -hmm. element into our soul, into our, even our mortal flesh eventually so that our whole being would be saturated with God's holy element. And then we'd be sanctified in our very disposition itself. Yeah. And so um, there's one other verse that I, because I think the reason why, like maybe your friends were getting a little tangled with the salvation mm-hmm. issue, it is kind of it, touchy, but, um, you know, in Second Thessalonians 2, verse 13, it talks about how he chose us from the beginning unto salvation in sanctification of yeah. the spirit. So salvation in sanctification of the spirit. So actually he is saving us through sanctifying mm-hmm. us. He's not saving us from perdition, but he's saving us from our, you know, fallen old corrupt nature, the satanic element right. that's in us. We're being saved. Um, and the result or the issue of that is glorification, yeah. really. It's that's where we'll eventually be shining in our mortal flesh. Like the, the nature will come out and have a, visible expression for the world to behold and glorify praise God because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Maybe maybe we should do it. Yeah. 
No, you're good. What's up? It'd be awesome. Maybe maybe next topic will be glorification. That might make (laughs) the most sense. Yeah. I was just going to say briefly that the end result, like Peter says this, 1 Peter 1, 16, it's you shall be holy because Mm -hmm. I am holy. And so that's not, we need to try and do good because God is good. It's, we like have this divine promise. We will be holy because God himself who dwells within us is holy. And as he grows, as he spreads, he will make us the same as him in life and nature. Right. So like that is the issue of sanctification is it's to be made uh, of, to be made the same of God, the same as God um, short of being, you know, an object of object of worship or being an omni, mm-hmm. you know, but at least of his nature and of his life, like his element, surely that's his desire according to kind of these verses yeah. we've been laying out. Yeah, I think that there's another yeah. point that I just wanted to bring up quickly to towards the end was when I first heard this about sanctification, um, I understood it, but it, it also had, yeah, because I didn't understand it properly, it, 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 almost became paralyzing to me because I just thought, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do good until I change or if I'm going to have the fruit of the spirit. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I'm, it's not going to happen until I, I am transformed more. And so then that gave mm-hmm. me an excuse mm-hmm. to do things, to sin and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, I, and my excuse was always, well, I'm just not, I need to be more transformed, which is true. But there's also, yeah. as far as positional sanctification goes, there's also an aspect of our cooperation there. When it, when it comes to the Lord actually saving us, he does positionally, in his eyes, we're a saint. But then when it comes to our cooperation, right. there's this other side. And so there was two verses I wanted to point out. There's 2 Timothy 2.22, but flee youthful lust mm. and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And so there's, I mean, this doesn't mm. talk about sanctification, but there is an aspect of fleeing something and, you totally. know, and yeah. pursuing what is, what is righteous. And then there's another mm. verse in first Thessalonians four, three, and this one does talk about sanctification. It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication. Mm, wow. And then it goes yeah. on. And, and this is mainly seems to be talking about sexual sin and preserving your vessel for God. Um, but uh, right. to me, the, the realizing that it's also important if we want to undergo this dispositional sanctification, this process of change, we need to be actively yeah. fleeing the world, pursuing God mm. and mm-hmm. remaining sanctified. I mean, even all the way up, you know, to our body, not just our soul and what we're watching yeah. or listening to, but how we are conducting and putting our body yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's excellent. Because, yeah, like the Satan, he attacks us from mm-hmm. the outside in. And so if we are with fornicators, if we're hanging out with the world, like it's going to actually seep into us from the outside. But if we care for the Lord's inner life and allow that to spread from the inside out, it'll result in an outward expression. But I, I like that. It's like we flee the world and present ourselves right. to God and then he'll he'll work out Amen. the sanctification sure yeah amen well yeah maybe we should stop here we've gone a little long but 
think this has helped yeah. for some people. Agree. Until next time. Sure.